space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind for better mental health. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard and this is A Space to Speak Your Mind, a radio program and a podcast about mental health and well-being made by people with lived experience in association with Cornwall Mind. We do occasionally cover subjects that some listeners may find distressing. For more information, help and support, please visit cornwallmind.org. On this month's show, I'll be talking to childhood psychologist Kimberly Wilson about the Better Health Every Mind Matters campaign, which offers NHS-approved tips and advice to improve mental health and calling on the nation to be kind to their mind. I'll be asking if art in the workplace can help our mental health with Saf Williams from Brookfield Properties and expert psychologist Dr Craig Knight. I'll discuss whether having open conversations about what is deemed as a taboo topic is critical to addressing the country's growing obesity problem with GP Dr Helen Larwell. And I'll be finding out what happened at Cornwall Mind's Bark Run. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. It's a space to speak your mind as we find out new research reveals 7 in 10 Brits experience anxiety about the week ahead. I'm joined by Kimberly Wilson to find out more. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Richard. How are you? Very good. Thank you. So tell me about these Sunday scaries. What are they? So I think it will be a phenomenon that's very familiar to you. And I certainly remember having them at school, you know, on a Sunday night when you realise your weekend's coming to an end and you start to think about the week ahead. And so it's essentially a kind of extension of that experience that's applied to your thoughts about the Monday that's coming, the week of work that you have looming, the challenges that you're going to be facing. And so what the Every My Matters research has found is that around five o'clock, quarter past five, people start to have a rise in this kind of anticipatory anxiety. And really, it's about helping people to think of effective and efficient ways to deal with those feelings, to manage them, to get ahead, and just to be a little bit kinder to themselves. Then why do we experience these? I'm wondering if it actually goes back to childhood, whether it is that going back to the kind of school days of knowing that we've got something big happening on the Monday, whether it be a test or an exam or just the social things that we had to deal with when we were younger. Is that part of it that kind of goes into adult life, even though some of those things might not be there, but we've got the associations with the past? I think it comes down really to the way that your brain works. And essentially, your brain is always trying to make predictions. It's always trying to kind of throw forward into the future and think about what will be demanded of you? What challenges will you face? And your brain can't really tell the difference in time. It doesn't tell the difference between what's happening right now and what's happening in the future. So when you start thinking about Monday morning, your brain starts to get your body ready for it. So if you've got a test on Monday morning, your body's like, okay, we're going to need some energy. Let's release some cortisol. Let's get that sugar flowing to prepare your brain and your body for that challenge. But that comes, that rise in cortisol brings with it feelings of agitation and that slight stress and pressure and worry. So if you want to look at it the nice way, really it's your brain trying to prepare you for the challenge ahead, but it's not really comfortable. And I think if you don't know how to manage those feelings, they can become really unpleasant and very worrying and you can end up trying to distract yourself from them. And it's the distraction techniques that can be less than helpful. Yeah, there are some bad distraction techniques people are doing. So what are the kind of things people are doing? And then we'll come on to the things that people should be doing. So the most common ones, certainly younger people, people aged you know, 18 to 32 or so, is scrolling on social media. So you, you hop on social media. It's such a wonderful distraction because there's constant unending information and things to lose yourself in. But what ends up happening is that you end up losing a lot of time. You can be on there for a couple of hours, similarly binge watching TV. Yes, it will take you away from the feelings and it can be sometimes, I've certainly had people tell me that they use it to numb 
but it's not helping you to get ahead. And when that show is finished, you still have all of the worries ahead of you that you need to think about. And then sometimes older people, so people mid thirties and above might be inclined to comfort eat. And again, that gives you momentary pleasure or numbing, but it's not really going to help you to address what your brain is telling you is a looming challenge. And what are the kind of things that people are worried about? I mean, I've, I've talked there about maybe some of our childhood memories, but there are real things that are worrying people at the moment. Obviously, we've got things that are happening in the world, the cost of living, but it's more essential things with our body and how we're treating ourselves, isn't it? That we're kind of not necessarily looking after ourselves as we should be. Yeah, so it's a range of things. So, you know, some of the, the top three concerns are work stress, which, you know, is obviously very familiar. And alongside that, with the cost of living crisis, people worrying about things like money, a lack of sleep. And again, the vicious cycle about that is that worrying about a lack of sleep gets in the way of good sleep. So you can end up in a bit of a, a rut with that one as well. And again, just lots of precious things that I have to do. And I think the important thing then is to really help people to understand that you can ask for help. And this is what this campaign is about, is how can you either break things down into manageable chunks? Can you ask for help? Can you find ways to get the worries out of your head? So one of the big things I often recommend to patients is to actually literally get the worries out of your head and onto paper. Because sometimes when your brain is just trying to hold on to information by itself, it can feel much bigger than it really is. And then once you've got it down on paper, you realize, okay, well, this is the priority. I can deal with that. This I can leave to a little bit later or this I can delegate or this I can break down into its smaller constituent part and things become much more manageable. So it's really important for people, I think, to start small and then deal with those physiological things, as you mentioned, like if there is something getting in the way of your sleep, because good sleep is such a cornerstone of good mental health, do try to address anything that's getting in the way of your sleep. And that's going to give you more of a sense of resilience and control. In fact, I mean, you're saying that about the lack of sleep. What would your advice be for lack of sleep? Is it really to come away from the, the bedroom and maybe write down some things or have a little bit of a think and then go back? Would that benefit? Or is it really just a case of trying to relax and trying to think about other things and deal with things in the morning? So it's a range of things. And sometimes you have to kind of sit down with someone and really talk them through their whole day to find out what it is that's getting in the way of their sleep. Sometimes it's not obvious what you're doing. You know, sometimes it's things like I'm drinking too much coffee or I'm staying up really, really late or drinking alcohol because that can impair the quality of your sleep. But first and foremost, the main thing that gets in the way of our sleep are our worries. So it's not just I haven't eaten the right things. It's, you know, there are things on my mind that I've maybe pushed aside. And then in the quiet of the night when I'm heading to bed, suddenly they emerge and yell for attention. So there are lots of things that I would generally recommend. So one of them is really, as I say, listing out what am I thinking? All of the possibilities. What could they be? I sometimes with people who have real sleep issues suggest a, a worry notebook, a little journal, keep by their bed so that when something pops up, they can write it down and they know that it's there and their brain knows that it's there. So the brain doesn't have to keep them awake to remind them to deal with something. If you're in bed and you've been there 15, 20 minutes and you haven't been able to fall asleep, then the general recommendation from sleep experts is to get up and get out of bed. Don't just lie there worrying because that's just going to associate the bedroom with a place that we worry rather than a place that we sleep. So get up, get out of bed, go somewhere quiet into a different room if possible and do something soothing and calming. So don't turn on a horror movie, sit down, read quietly, listen to a soothing podcast, you know, something soothing for however long it takes, 10, 15 minutes until you feel tired again. 
and then go back and try again. And that tends to be the better approach than just lying there worrying about not being able to sleep. I do find podcasts the, the best thing. If I can't sleep, I'll put on a podcast and it'll be maybe half an hour long. And I, I only listen to about the first three minutes because I listen to that same podcast for about a week trying to find out at what point I fell asleep. It's always about three minutes in. But if I don't have the podcast on, then I'll be there for the full hour. I'm just thinking about a positive mindset as well, because a lot of our worries are things we have done before and things we have achieved. So is there a way that we can kind of create a positive mindset to remind ourselves that a lot of the challenges that are coming up, maybe in the working week or maybe things that we've got to do, we have done before, we can do these, we are capable of these. That's a really, really great point. Absolutely. Because again, sometimes your brain forgets all of the things you've accomplished and all of the things you have done and all of the things you have managed. And so you can end up facing a new challenge and feeling as though it's the first time you've ever done it or it's the toughest thing you've ever done. And so one intervention that is really helpful is just giving yourself almost a cheerleading list. So here are all the things that I've done before. Here's all the tough stuff that I've gotten through. Here are all the hard things that I have accomplished. And have that list available. Pop it on a piece of paper and put it in your pocket, put it in your wallet, write it down on your phone. So that when you are approaching a new challenge, then you can look at that list and you can remind yourself, oh, we've done this before. Oh, don't worry about it. We have the skills, we have the experience. And now we can apply that experience to dealing with this challenge. And that can help you. It really can give you a bit more confidence going forward. I think that's a really good point. And you mentioned the Better Health Every Mind Matters campaign. Tell me a little bit about that and where people can find out more. Yeah, so this is a campaign that's really asking people to think proactively, I guess is what we're saying, because quite often we wait when we're thinking about mental health, we wait until we feel pretty bad. <laughs> we feel pretty terrible before intervening. And there's there's no reason for us to do that. And if we can get ahead, then we can make life better for our future selves, I think. So if you go to the Every Mind Matters website, you can do a little quiz that will give you personalized tips and information and on how to be kind to your mind, which things might be particularly helpful for you and to help you just to feel a little bit more in control of your life and of your thoughts. We'll put a link in our podcast in our notes as well for the Better Health Every Mind Matters campaign so people can have a look on there. But for now, Kimberly Wilson, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. With a challenging economic climate underlined by growing inflation and a weakening pound, productivity of the nation's workforce is now more important than ever. Research shows that installation of art in offices can boost productivity by between 15 and 17 percent. A new study of over 3,000 office workers in the UK found that a staggering 63% of 18 to 29-year-olds prefer going to the office to work over working from home, with the number increasing to three-quarters of those who work in offices with a lot of art. Aside from creativity, well-being and an understanding of employee mental health, this is being seen as a crucial factor for workers in their relationship with their work. To find out more, I'm joined by Saf Williams, who's the Curatorial Director for Brookfield Properties and expert psychologist Dr Craig Knight. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. So with many people having changed the way they work and many choosing to split time from home and the office, we're looking at well-being and creativity in the workplace. So firstly, Craig, what's the link between mental health and productivity in the workplace and how can that be helped with the office environment? Well, what we're looking at at the moment is how to improve the office because too many offices are these stark white box spaces where people are expected to conform to other people's ideas without any form of enrichment at all. What we found is that when you put art into a workspace, when you enrich it with art, people feel better. 
And this is bang in line with the science. And art itself is a fantastic enriching medium because it has so many nuances in it. People can look at a picture, see different things, talk to different people about the different things. And the psychological enrichment of art is superb. When you engage people further with that art, and when you let them say, I like that particular picture, I like that particular sculpture, I like that particular design, then that builds what's called congruent identity because the organization trusts you to go and engage with what's going on. You talk to your people about it, so you identify with both the people and the organization positively. And that is nothing but good for both the people because it improves their mental well-being and for the organisation, because it comes the place that people want to go to and want to work for. And Seth, would you agree with that? Do you find, from what you've seen and from the research, that building a better environment for people is encouraging people back into the workplace? I think we know that it's encouraging people back because we can see that on the days that we put wellness events, whether it be you know yoga in the sky or a brush and bubbles class or an artist in conversation, exhibition launch around an exhibition, that the offices on those days are busier. So I think, you know, people are choosing to come in and kind of form those community bonds around art and around wellness. So we know from the fact that certain events are out of tickets that we allocate that it's certainly drawing people in. Even just the fact that our occupiers and tenants are speaking to receptionists and asking questions about the art that's on the wall or sitting in and around the kind of adult playgrounds and art installations that we build outside in the summer. Where we have DJ sessions and all sorts of other things that are kind of auxiliary to the frame of the artwork. So we can see from the actual numbers of people interacting with the artwork, it's encouraging people back in. Do you think there is really a direct link between workplace satisfaction and productivity? Is it a case of if people are in a good environment, they tend to feel better and work better? I don't know what you think about that, Craig. I think that's a really interesting point, Richard. And certainly from the research that we've done prior to this, yes, the more people get engaged, the higher their productivity tends to be. But I must stress that will probably be a next step for us here because this was a survey and it looked very much at how people feel and engage and how their mental health is. But all the signs of that and creativity as well. Yeah, I think just incidentally as well, I think people feel a great deal of pride in a well-designed office, be that great furniture, interiors and art in their direct environment. I mean, we had recently just a pop-up office in the city as we were building a a more full-term one. And the first question that came to me as a curator was saying, when are we putting the artwork up on the walls, you know, as they were still bringing in the furniture. So I think it's really interesting that people are kind of demanding that of their spaces more and more. And obviously outside in the public domain for our community, as soon as we take down a summer installation and we have that rest period for a week or so before we put the next one in, people are asking us when is the next installation going in. So there's a certain kind of anticipation and expectation, which is very exciting for me. And I think great for artists' exposure and for them to be kind of seen by a broader audience base as well, rather than just in galleries. So there's a wellness there for the artists, as well as people enjoying the work. That's interesting. Obviously, the cultural side of things to be able to to see artwork. Obviously, we've had these couple of years where we've been at home, we've been in our own environment. So do you think really the relationship with our places of work have changed in the light of the pandemic? And are we witnessing now a turning trend of people returning to the office, do you think? 
Yes, I think people are definitely returning to the office. I think the idea at the very beginning of the pandemic that people were very happy to stay at home is definitely passed. I think after quite a while at home, people are excited to get back in, have real conversations, get off the Zoom and speak to colleagues. And certainly we can see from these after our events, maybe an exhibition launch, et cetera, that people seem to be quite keen to be in and around the community of their colleagues and their friends. So I can see the stats of how many people are coming in is dramatic as a general kind of thing. They're asking more from the office and the office provides them with a community that they may not be getting at home just simply by being around their family and the kitchen table. That's a really fair point. And what we are finding now, Richard, is that we need this break that the pandemic has given us because we need to change the way offices are. We need people to feel a sense of pride and a sense of ownership in the place that they work. Because, I mean, you can almost use Cornwall as an open-air office, if you like. Look at how Cornwall has engaged with art, with the St Ives School, and with the Tate, and with Hopworth. All of these things that really matter to Cornwall, those can be translated to the office and shows the power of art. And I think Brookfield Properties and you know, the School of Life have a lot of credit for kicking this report off because it's getting a lot of profile. It will improve people's mental health at work and will get away from these hideous stark spaces that do nothing but harm. So it's a good thing that's going on at the moment and art is really psychologically useful. It's a re-evaluating how we are working, I think, as you say, to have that break and to reassess how things are. And obviously there is this sort of social aspect I think people have been missing and for well-being as well. So to put those two bits together and to recreate a new environment for people and putting their health and well-being at the forefront is very important, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously we're very excited that Brookfield's been committed to, the properties has been committed to free art exhibitions for over 30 years. We started this program in 1988, like globally. So it's something that we have a long-term commitment to. But I think even we can see from our tenants that they're starting to ask me more directly if I can advise them on their own exhibitions in their office, how they would go about approaching artists, how they should pay artists fairly. These are all conversations that I've had in the last couple of months, which I think is really exciting and encouraging and of course we provide that support to them so I think that there's certainly kind of a demand for it more from them as well as a long-term commitment that we've already had. And Craig do you think the future is looking bright for for office spaces and for people being back at work? I certainly hope so I really do because what is important here is that we're not just feeding mental health we're also feeding the culture and if we can get culture which goes from the bottom up if we can get that to be a positive thing then that can only, again, breed happiness, which is the key thing. And if we get people to be happy in their workspace, they look around, see the people around them are talking to them, they understand that nobody from above is making their life unbearable. We can use art for that positive effect to seed a good culture. Then we really are on the road to an excellent office. That sounds amazing. And I think, you know, for employers that are listening to this, you know, they may not even have considered the art in the workplace and, and that sort of aspect. So is there somewhere that people can go for more information on what we've talked about today and to learn a bit more? Yes, you certainly can. You can go to the Brookfield Properties website to see the report, which we're sharing publicly and also at our Instagram and some of the key statistics. And also as we continue to collaborate with the School of Life, which is the next step really after this report, which is pre-workshops to our community and, and access to the app. So more of that to follow. But I think at Brookfield Properties London Social will probably be a great way to access everything easily. Saf Williams from Brookfield Properties and also Dr. Craig Knight, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. 
On the last show, we talked about the upcoming bar run event where you can run or walk five kilometers with your dog. And today's the day. I'm here at Trellis Gardens in Truro to speak to some of the participants and to find out how they get on. Who have we got here? Uh, uh, Chris and Chantel. Uh, this is Nova. So what made you want to do bar run today? Bit of fun, see loads of doggies, raise some money for charity. Do you normally run with a dog? Uh, not, not with the dog. With the dog yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. It's going to be a first time experience. And how do you think he's going to cope? Yeah, probably fine. Yeah, she's yeah. right. Hopefully yeah. he doesn't pull me over. Who have we got here? <laughs> this is Barra. I'm Kat and this is, is Zach. Is it the first time doing a 5k or are you, are you runners anyway? It is for him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you normally go on long runs or it's going to be a, a new experience? Uh, a completely new experience. I haven't run for years. I ran the Cornish Marathon a few years ago, so not afraid for running, but this is a first time for Zach. Yeah, yeah. I broke my leg quite badly a few years ago, so I can cycle okay, but running, not yeah. so much. <laughs> It's a great day as well, obviously, raising money for Cornwall Mines. Yeah, definitely. It's a really good cause and uh, it's just nice to be able to run as a family. So the race has started and we've already got some of the runners coming back now. Hi there, you're the first runner. You've, you've completed it. How was that for you? Good. What's your name again, sorry? Harvey. Well done, Harvey. So that was our first runner. That was Harvey, who's coming first. We've got our first dog and runner coming in now. What's the dog's name? Remy. And what's your name? Nora. How was the run for you? That was great, it's quite hilly. And what time did you do? Because you must have done that in quite uh, some speed. 24 and a half. Wow, well done. Thank Fantastic, you. really good run. Thank you. Here comes our next finisher. This is Rory from the doghouse and Poppy the dog. So how was that for you? The last bit was a struggle. Thanks to Poppy not letting me stop and pulling me up. <laughs> <laughs> And obviously a course that hasn't been done before. Are you a keen runner yourself? Yeah, I haven't done anything for about a year though. Quite a hilly course. Yeah. <laughs> Just Poppy run much when you're out? Yeah, she, she doesn't stop. <laughs> Any time she stops when she's sleeping. So Luke, Rory's just finished. That was an amazing time. Yes, it was. Yeah, he's looking very tired now. <laughs> I know, you must be so proud of him with the doghouse. Yes, yeah, and Poppy as well. She's well, she's a spaniel, so she could keep going, I think. And just explain your involvement here today. We're a dog grooming business, and we do daycare, uh, have a dog shop as well, and we like to support Mind because of mental health and believe that dogs are great for that and to improve it. They'll always have our support. And we've just had the Rosemullion vets coming through. <laughs> it's Alice, isn't it, Alice? It is, yes, hi. And who's with you? This is Jenny. How's that? Yeah, it's really lovely. It's a lovely route. Absolutely gorgeous. And you've done really well for timing. Do you normally go out running? Not for a long time. Jenny does a bit more than I do. How did you find the course? It was lovely, yeah. It's really, really nice, but different to the park run, yeah. uh, which I normally come to. So yeah. yes. I'm really great that you're supporting what, what's going on here today. Yeah. It's really good turnout, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Seems the weather was so awful, first thing. We're um, being blessed with a good so we've got some more finishers here. What's your name? Jacob. And who've you got with you here? This is Lumi. And how was the run for you? It's pretty great. Bit of mud, but <laughs> makes it fun. Makes it better for them anyway. And obviously supporting Cornwall Mines. Is that important to you? Yeah, absolutely. It's a fab course to be coming out for, and it's great to see so many people here as well. <laughs> What's your names? Zach and Cat. And you're raising money as well for Cornwall Mines? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Supporting any charity that sort of supports mental health is really important. Yeah. And now let's chat to Hayley from Sea Salt, who's supporting the bar run here today. Been really good days. Really, it's nice to do something different, I think, for a change, and also raising money for a good charity at the same time. And you're here from Sea Salt. Can you yes. just explain the uh, the connection with Cornwall Mind and why you've decided yeah. to support Cornwall Mind today? Uh, sea Salt uh, do a lot of things with Cornwall Mines. Um, they do various fundraising with them. Um, that they donate with the socks and things. They donate each pad that's bought. They donate a percentage to Cornwall Mines. So yeah, they 
really support Cornwall Mines. And some people just about to come through now. You've got some goodie bags for them. So yep. what have we got in here? It's goodie bags for the dogs. There's lots of little dog treats and things in there. Yeah, little snacks in there for the dogs. Right, okay. And we've just got another runner coming through. So we'll, uh, we'll let them get their goodie bag. And what's your name? Craig. How did you enjoy that? Oh, it was a lot of fun getting out. Nice the weather held out for us. And who have you got with you here? This is Cooper. And how did Cooper enjoy it? He did. Oh, he's a bit, bit, uh, bit frustrated on the lead because there was some squirrels about. Oh, but, wow. Uh, he enjoyed pulling me along, giving me a little bit of help Brilliant. up the hills. Good that everyone's coming out today. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, a lovely, great. lovely sponsorship as well. Oh, it's, looks amazing. like the goodie bag for the for Coopers. He's going to enjoy that. So <laughs> thank you to the sponsors. So I'm here with Mike from the Rotary Club of Truro and Boscowan. Great event. Have you enjoyed today? It is absolutely fabulous that these things are running. After the uh, COVID pandemic, the charity input was much reduced. Now it's back on track again. And it's great to see so many willing participants. Yeah, and all of your team have been out today and done an amazing job. They have indeed. I have to say that uh, the turnout amongst uh, all of the volunteers is equally as good as those that are running. I'm just glad that we're not actually getting muddy and sweaty. And tell me what you're doing right now, because we've got some people coming through. Yep, well, I'm the main banana man, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, I'm giving the much needed potassium and magnesium and sustenance replacement for the competitors. I hope you enjoy the rest of the day. Some more runners coming through and they're yep. waiting for their bananas, so I'll let you get on. Thank you. Who have we got here? We've got Bear and Christian. And this is... I'm Victoria. Oh, wow. And how did you enjoy that today? Tough. Tough, but good. Yeah, I'm very, very proud of Christian. Did well. I did well. Because <laughs> I suffer, like, from depression and anxiety, so this charity is close in my mind. Yeah. So yeah. it's good to get out, spread awareness for mental health. And you've been raising money as well, so... Uh, yeah. How did that go for you? Really good. <laughs> I, like, share it on my social media, so I use Twitter, I use Instagram. Um, yeah. We got a lot of donations. And lots of pictures as well. Yeah, lots of pictures. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to go and put the pictures on. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm glad you had a great day and uh, yeah, supporting the charity as well. Thank you. I'm here with Neil. Neil, you're the uh, head park keeper here, are you? Hey, I'm the lead ranger for the property. And how's it been organising the events? Uh, it's no problem at all. Uh, to be honest with you, the mine do all of the background organisation. I have to run around a few days before doing all the little bits of mowing and all that, but it's, it's just part of the job and it's really enjoyable to see everybody using the property in a different way. And I hear you were the one that came up with the name Barker Run. Uh, well, I might have been. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very inspired. <laughs> It was a natural thing to allow, to allow this to go on and, and as I say, it's a great way of uh, seeing a bit of the a different parts of the estate but also for a very, very worthwhile charity. Yeah, and how does it feel after all the hard work, the fruition of coming through today and seeing the people here raising money and having a great day? Well, that's it. That's why, you, that, that's why we do it. You know, it's enjoyable to do and uh, lots of smiley faces, lots of happy dogs. So, uh, yeah, we're happy. So, what's your name? Amanda. And who have you got here? This is Tizzy. And how did you enjoy the run today? Perfect. Yeah. yeah, just the right amount of um, walk for her. We had to leave the older one behind. Right. Yeah, too yeah. old. And great to be raising money as well for Cornwall Mines. Absolutely, Mines. yes, absolutely. Very dear to my heart because my daughters have both got friends that have been troubled by this. So, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah really good yeah. day. Well, I'll, I'll let you get your water Lovely. and well done on the run. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm here with Helena, who's the head vet at Rosemullion really great day oh it's been fantastic I think everyone's had a really really lovely atmosphere everyone's had a really good time yeah I think the dogs have all been very well behaved and the people have also been very well behaved so I think everyone's had a great time so good to see so many happy faces and yeah I should say I think the dogs have enjoyed just being out and uh, having a different course to go on absolutely I think a whole load of new smells and um, different people to meet different dogs to play with they've, they've been really really good I think they've really enjoyed it and obviously Rose Mullion supporting 
the Barker in here today. Really important that you guys are involved and getting a lot from it as well. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a really good cause. I mean, mental health is something which affects everybody at various points throughout our lives. So I think anything that we can do to help support the charities that are working to help all of us is, is yeah, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. We're always going to help out. Let's have a quick chat now with Frank, who's from the Rotary Club of Truro and Boscowan. And you've been heavily involved with the event today and your guys have been out. Um, it's been yeah. amazing, hasn't it? Yeah, we had 20 marshals out there and they've all said how nice it was with people saying to them, thanks, Marshall, thanks, Marshall. So it was a really lovely atmosphere, yeah. really good. Yeah. And the rain's just coming now, so I think we've got most of the runners back, haven't we? Yes, yeah, we're looking in the distance and we can't see the slower walkers, but there's two yellow jackets at the end. There are tail end Charlies, so we're waiting for them. But yes, I think we've only been going an hour, so that's really good, isn't it? When you think of five kilometres, difficult terrain, very muddy in places, but they've done well. Yeah, and I think even the more established runners, I think it's been a bit of a challenge for them. So I think everyone's got something from it today. Yeah, that's really good, isn't it? Yes, I didn't notice there were a few at the front looking very much in their kit as though they were going to break some records. That was good to see, wasn't it? Some fast runners out at the front. Really good to have you here and thank you for your support. That's right. Cheers now. So Lucy, you're here from the National Trust and just explain the activity that you've been involved with. Yes, it's great to be partnering with a great Cornish charity with Cornwall Mind. We're really glad that as National Trust we can support local charities like this and provide spaces and a great backdrop for people to come together and raise money for a great cause. There was a lot to pull together. There was a lot of work, but I think that's always the case with a new event that comes in. Um, So if we do do it again, it will obviously be easier. But it's great. It's worth our time putting into something like this. And how do you feel it went? Really well. It was great. We were all happy, stood in the garden, looking at the cute dogs come round. So, yeah, yeah, very happy. And just the last few ones coming in now, but I think everyone's had a really good day. But thank you so much for everything that you've done. No, thank you ever so much to Cool Mind. It's been a pleasure. So, Lucy, we're at the end of Marco, and it's been an amazing day. How's it been for you? Gosh, we're just feeling really relieved, I think, that everybody's come together, everybody's had a great time. We've met some wonderful woofers, lots of smiley faces, lots of awesome supporters that we've met here today. So just feeling really grateful for everybody that's just turned up today, who've worked really hard to support this event because it's been an enormous team effort. And like all good things in the planning, hopefully, you know, on the day it all comes together and even the rain held off for us, so thank goodness. It did, and a few more dogs just coming through now, but as we're getting towards the end, I think everyone's kind of enjoyed just being out in the open air. It's so good to be out, having the exercise, taking the dogs out, just a great atmosphere. Exactly, and you know, at Cornwall Mind, we're here to promote better mental health, and what better way to get up on a Sunday morning, get out in nature, in all the weathers, with your faithful furry best friends, and take part in some great exercise, be it a run, a walk, or a jog, and. We've just loved meeting everybody today after so many years of lockdown and virtual fundraising to actually be in person with our supporters and to meet them. It's been incredible and we're just so grateful to the National Trust for hosting this, for gifting us the most incredible route. Everybody has just really noted what a beautiful, beautiful walk they've had today that they never normally are going to get to access here at Trilistic. So thank you so much to Neil and Lucy and the team here because without their support, it just wouldn't have happened. If people want to support, they can get online as well and uh, raise a little bit extra just for the Barkering and for Cornwall Minds as a charity. Absolutely. Thank you so much to all those dogs who set up their own fundraising pages. We totally understand the, the cost of living crisis that we're in right now and, and it can feel a little bit 
awkward or sensitive to ask friends and family for sponsorship but for those who have it really does make a difference and we're so grateful we're so thankful at the moment it looks like we've raised almost four thousand pounds which is brilliant and we're so grateful to everybody that's come along and put their best paw forward to promote better mental health here in cornwall what a great morning a great event and thank you to our vets team thank you to our rotary team to all our our marshals that have come and given their time on a sunday morning to enable this this awesome event so thank you so if you go onto the website now cornwallminds.org you can see all the pictures from the event and thanks again to everyone who took part in bark run a space to speak your mind with cornwall mind weight is a lot more complex than a number on a scale and whether it's being overweight or underweight it plays an important part in our overall well-being while we're comfortable giving friends advice on other health concerns only 16% of people surveyed consider weight a viable topic for advice. So to find out more, I'm joined by Dr. Helen Lawal. How are you doing, Helen? Hi, yeah, good. Thanks. Good to be here and to speak to you. So are we having open conversations about weight or do you think it's still a subject people avoid? The research from Weight Watchers has showed that 46% of the people surveyed said it is a taboo subject and actually they'd feel more comfortable discussing their weight with a stranger than their friend. So I do think we have got a long way to go. However, we do know from the research that people are very keen for those positive conversations and open discussions about weight. But I do think it needs to be part of gaining a wider perspective on health in general our worth is not dependent on our weight and it is possible to be healthy and be over a certain weight so we do need to move away from focusing on the numbers i'm just wondering i know weight is important for our overall health so is it a case that it is still a taboo subject to bring this up to people from my perspective my background's a gp i'm also a health coach and i'm studying nutrition I feel comfortable doing it because I guess I've got the communication skills to do it in a way that means that people do feel comfortable. And this very much involves asking open questions, being curious, being judgmental. But the subject itself, it's important that it's a very individual thing and it's important not to impose that subject onto someone else. Not everyone feels ready to talk about their weight. Not everyone has to you know and so it has to very much be instigated by the individual themselves and to come from them and to be when they're ready and be done in a very supportive environment and often doing that as part of a community an online community where there's other people who may be in a similar place may have similar health goals can be a very effective way to start that conversation and why is it important that we talk about weight is it purely for health concerns or is there a wider aspect to it do you think yeah i think We need to be careful here because there's such thing as a weight centric model. And I think as doctors in healthcare, we have gone to the extreme, I think. And often we talk about weight as the most important marker of health. And yes, it does play a role in many health conditions. But really, there's so many other things that it's important to consider. Our daily routines, the habits that make up our day to day routines. So our sleep routine and the types of foods we're eating, the nutrition we're getting within the foods we're eating, our mental health, our well-being, our mindset, and that sense of community and connectedness. For me, weight can play a role in that, doesn't always, but it's really important to approach this more holistically and considering all the factors that are involved in good well-being and health. It's interesting that you bring up weight and mental health. How would you say that it does affect our mental health as well as our physical health? Is it quite an important concern? Yeah, I'd say it's very individual. So I think this is really about promoting body positivity. Your worth is not dependent on your weight. 
we should be happy the way we are. And absolutely, some people do feel that they do need to make changes to their health, no matter what that might be. And that's okay, but it should be done from a positive mindset and from a place of kindness and without being very self-critical, which we often are. I think that's what's really crucial about it. It's about the language that we're using when we're talking about our bodies, we're talking about our health, and we're talking to other people about it and our own perception of our own well-being and our bodies. And that brings us on really to how do we have those conversations? We don't want to offend people. We don't want people to be withdrawn by us having these conversations. And we want people to look after themselves. So how do we approach the conversations with our loved ones, with people we're concerned about? What's the right approach to take? Yeah, I think a careful one. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when we think about the negative association with weight and mental health and all of that, often we tend to blame social media and celebrities for this and the messages that were being fed. But actually, the research from Weight Watchers did show that often the problem is closer to home. And I think if you have a friend or family member who bring the topic up, so they've instigated it themselves, great. In which case, there's a few things you need to consider. The first is listen, you know. And listening is a really important communication tool. And often people just want to be listened to. And the second one is to not be judgmental and not be critical. And also everyone's different. So what works for you might not work for that person. So try to avoid giving advice, actually, because what I believe very much in my approach is we know what's right for us. Often we know what the best thing is for us and what makes us feel good. And we just need the support to actually start to make those changes. And that's where the behavioural science comes in, perhaps working with a coach or working amongst a community or a group of other individuals to actually help us and take those steps and have the accountability to keep going. Weight can be associated with other underlying issues that people might be having. Is it worth having a wider discussion about how people are feeling and things that might be going on that might be affecting their weight without really going straight to the discussing someone's physical appearance as such? Absolutely, Richard. I think you've really got to the core of it here. Often weight gain is a side effect of some of the problems we're facing in our life. And by that, I mean, we may be experiencing bereavement, relationship problems. We may be unhappy in our work. We may have low self-esteem. And often, and this is completely normal and a natural behavior, we turn towards food, something you know called comfort eating, emotional eating. And that's a normal part of our eating behavior. And then often we deprioritize the things that keep us well. So we tend to deprioritize exercise, spending time with friends and family when we are in fact stressed. So the conversation should be about actually what's really going on for you and why it's important to you to look at your weight. Because often it's not weight that's the problem, it's something else in our lives. And I think that's the way that we should approach it by looking to see what the cause is the root of the problem and taking the emphasis away from the weight and the numbers on the scales. Weight and mental health do go hand in hand. Is there more advice you can give as far as if it is affecting someone's mental health and what they can do about it? Yeah, I think if you're not feeling right, if you're feeling anxious, low in mood, or feel like your mental well-being is under strain, then it's really important to seek help and to reach out for help. And often a starting point is by having a visit to your GP. There's loads of ways you can access help this day, either one-to-one or group sessions. And it's all available free through the NHS. So do reach out if you are struggling with your mental health. That has to be the priority whenever we're thinking about our health. 
So it really is having these open conversations and starting the dialogue. So if people are thinking that they want to help someone in their lives, is there a website that they can go to? Is there somewhere they can get more information on what we've been talking about? Yeah, so Weight Watchers have a, a great app and an online community called Connect, which I'd really encourage people to look into. And often what we find is that people come for the weight loss and stay for the friendships and the sense of community. And that's often the missing piece in the puzzle. So I'd signpost people towards that way. And also a starting point could be by speaking to their GP if they're worried about the health in general because there may be other things that they can do to address that that aren't necessarily related to their weight. Dr Helen Lawal, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, it's good to speak to you. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. That's all for this month. If you missed anything on today's show, you can download the podcast right now. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and now also Amazon Podcasts and TuneIn too. For support and more information for better mental health, visit cornwallminds.org or call the Mind Helpline during office hours on 0300 123 3393. There's also a 24-7 NHS local urgent mental health response phone line, which is free to access by anyone of any age. It's on 0800 038 5300. And don't forget you can call the Samaritans anytime for free on 116 123. If you missed any of those numbers, you can catch those on the show notes of this podcast right now. And if you'd like to be part of the show, you can get in contact with us. You can just email a space to speak your mind at gmail.com and you can follow us on Twitter at a space to speak or like us on Facebook. I'm Richard and I'll speak to you next time on a space to speak your mind. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind for better mental health.